Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Astrology and You. I'm Alice. And I'm Maxine, and we are so excited to get in today's episode, giving you just an overview of your birth chart. Yes, and specifically 10 different things to prioritize when you're first going about reading your chart and you may feel a bit overwhelmed. Like, what what should you prioritize and look at first? Yeah, this is basically like if Alice and I could go back to ourselves when we first started years ago, this would be 10 things to look for to get you into what really is essential to know. Yeah, I definitely learned in a very roundabout manner. (laughs) I came back to the sun and things like the sun and moon like months after I got into it. (laughs) And that's so common though, because it's like, once you start learning about astrology, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so much more than my son. I want to get into weird things like Neptune and retrogrades. And it's like, okay, but those first things are really essential and important. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, But before we get into the episode, we want to share the announcement we teased a little in last week's episode. Um, We, as you know, we have had two courses going on, uh, Mastering Birth Charts and Applying Transits, which we created a year ago now, which is crazy. Oh my gosh. Yes, we are. So so we're celebrating, like Ella said, not only being back, but also having the courses be out for so long too. Um, but yeah, we're going to offer you guys a back to school discount on both of these courses. So from today, September 5th, all the way until September 19th, you can buy either of these courses for $100 off. Um, and at the end of the month, the prices will be going up on both of these courses. So definitely take advantage of this opportunity while you can. Um, and there's going to be no code needed. We're just going to reduce the price by $100 on September 5th. So by the time you're listening to this episode, the price should be reduced. Yeah. So once you see that, you can go to the link below and it already is done for you. Like we've applied that for you. And it honestly is just such a great opportunity if you have been someone who's been stalking the pages, looking at um, either applying transits or mastering birth charts for a while now. This is definitely a good time to get in on that offer. Yeah, and these courses are really extensive. Like I think each yeah. <laughs> one of them has over 10 hours of recordings of us yes. on Zoom teaching you about either birth charts or transit charts. Um, and we've had over 200 people take these courses since we launched last September. So uh, so cool. <laughs> they're really good if you yeah. have any kind of doubt. You can also <laughs> DM us, email us if you have questions about whether the course is right for you. Yeah. And like the titles themselves kind of speak to it, but the birth chart course teaches you not only how to read your birth chart, but deeply how to actually master it, how to feel confident reading any birth chart and applying transits kind of takes it that whole step forward in just knowing how to actually know the changing astrology of transits and how that affects you. Yeah. Like how to predict with astrology, which is so helpful. Yes. Um, Yeah. So we'll put the link to the courses in the show notes and you can access them from there. Okay, perfect. So yeah, definitely let us know if you have any questions. We're always happy for a DM and getting back to you. All right. So with that said, I'm so happy we got to announce it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Let's get into today's episode where we kind of wanted to just give you a taste of 
like what you can also expect in the course itself. Yeah. So all of these, we do elaborate in our courses, but we're going to give a rundown of 10 things to prioritize when you're first reading your birth chart and learning about it. Yeah. And at the end, we will share more advanced tips that we also touch on in the course. So stay till the end. We have a lot of juicy information. Yeah. So we're just going to go through these one by one. Um, the first few are pretty predictable, but we want to like yeah. linger on them a bit. Um, number one we have is the sun. So right when you pull up your birth chart, I mean, most people listening to this, I would assume like everyone listening to this knows their sun, which is like your yes. sign. Um, so you probably already know your sun sign and the traits associated with that. But when you pull up your birth chart, it's really important to locate what house that falls in, in your mm-hmm. chart. Yeah, so not only the sign, but the house can tell you what area of life will become a major focus for you that you're actually here to grow into. Yeah, so when you think about the sun, like, I mean, sometimes I'll get people that are like, I don't resonate with my sun sign. Um, It doesn't really fully feel like me. That's kind of the point of the sun. It is like, it embodies like your core identity, which is always evolving throughout the entire course of your life. So if you're looking to the sign it's placed in and the house it's placed in your chart, that's really like where you're coming into yourself and learning more about yourself and like, what are your core interests and what should you lean into a bit more? Mm, Yeah, that's so important because if you don't identify with your son, then actually that signals for you and flags, okay, this is actually really important to lean into and discover the aspects of your son, whether it's by sign or house, that you actually can relate to and can kind of learn to express more of and feel more comfortable in your own skin. Yeah, so sun is very key. Mm -hmm. Um, Should we move on to number two? Yes, yes, let's go on. Go for it. So number two is the moon. Maxine, do you want to take that away? Yes, I love the moon. Okay. (laughs) Um, So yeah, so the sun and moon, those are so important in your chart. And the moon, whereas the sun is is a lot more obvious, the moon is that secret inner landscape, that part of yourself that tells you how you're going to react to things and your deepest needs and desires. Yeah, I like how that you said like deepest needs and desires. So well put. Um, But yeah, if you if you already know your moon sign again, um, I mean, the sign is very important, but also the house, like the activities and themes associated with the house where your moon is placed are really things you may want to lean into to feel more emotionally fulfilled or activities associated with that house could be ways in which you learn how to nurture yourself or just like little self-care habits you want to develop more. Mm, Yeah, it is so important to learn how to care for yourself. And also, I feel like the moon just speaks so much to how you can have more, I don't know, it's almost, it points to a love language. Like, it really helps you to show up in relationships better. Yeah, so just, like, thinking of, like, a few examples. Like, let's say you have, like, Maxine, I'm always bringing up your chart as an example, like, subconsciously. (laughs) I'm just thinking of, like, moon in sixth house. Yeah. With... Also with the moon placement, it's like where you may experience a lot of like ups and downs emotionally. So maybe there's a lot Mm -hmm. of like concern over your health with a six house moon, but it's also like you need to lean into like wellness and health to nurture yourself and like find better habits associated with that maybe six house moon um, just to, I don't know, going back to like what you said, like self-love, self-care. Oh yeah. And that is so, so spot on for me. Like 
seriously, the, the moon placement is so important because it shows you that area of life that you need to make time for. And if you don't have enough time for that area of life, whether it's about creating a better routine for yourself or health or your one-on-one relationships, like wherever your moon is placed, if you don't have time, you need to spend more time there. <laughs> like that will help keep you sane. Yeah. So like where you may experience emotional highs and lows or a lot of fluctuations, but where you need to learn how to develop and nurture yourself Mm. through. Yeah. And then also too, um, just the sign that your moon is in is so important because obviously when you first get into astrology, you pay a lot more attention to your sun sign and identify so strongly with that. But the moon is that part of you that other people might not see, but it's important to really accept that part of yourself and to I don't know almost like treat it treat it sacredly because not everyone mm-hmm, else can mm-hmm. see it so you kind of have to like advocate for yourself there oh my god I love it yeah it's almost like what you're <laughs> not totally aware of until oh gosh, like yes. I honestly couldn't really describe my moon sign traits I wasn't like aware of that part of myself until mm-hmm. I learned astrology and I was like wow I really do act like that Oh my gosh. Yeah. And so Alice and I both have water sign moons, um, Scorpio moon and Alice has a Pisces moon. But I, I think just understanding that even for ourselves as an example, it it really is helpful because people don't necessarily see the watery emotional side of us until they get to know us closer or maybe through Mm -hmm. this podcast that comes through. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) But yeah, sun and moon really important, um, as well as the rising, which is our next point. So these three definitely prioritize first when you're looking at your chart. But yeah, to linger on the rising sign, it is, I don't know, I feel like it kind of gets this like superficial explanation of like a mask you present to the world. But really, when we're thinking about the rising, I like to think of it as like the lens through which you go through life and kind of like the traits in which influence everything else you're doing in your birth chart Mm, yes it's like a filter you know like it it, more so than a mask it filters your whole chart it's not like a filter meaning like an instagram fake filter (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah. i guess that would just be a mask but yeah it, it is something that it takes your just looking at your sun moon rising it takes your sun and moon and it it puts this lens like you had said, or filter through which other people are able to see in, into who you are. Yeah. So like, for example, if you're like a Capricorn rising, maybe it's like ambition and being someone important and like having these like approach and plans and like ambitious goals set for yourself, that's going to inform like how you, um, kind of show up in the rest of your chart. Oh, yes. And I love that example, too, because you can already start to see how important it is that you blend your sun moon rising with Alice's example, because let's say you are someone who on your first impression, your rising sign, if it's, you know, a Capricorn rising, you're going to appear to people to really have your stuff together. And if somebody like maybe the rest of your chart is a lot more you know, playful or like not as all put together. And it kind of like helps you to understand why you might feel even misunderstood. Yeah. Whereas like if you have Leo or Libra rising, I would say those are both pretty like creative rising signs. So like this inner sense of creativity and like needing to express yourself and like have a good aesthetic and dress well and like 
a love for design that's going to influence like all other parts of your chart. Like even like when we're looking at like the career parts of your chart, maybe you're always bringing like this, your creative self and all these like artistic ideas into that part. Oh, yes. And I've heard it described before in books as um, like from a spiritual perspective as the doorway to your soul, which I just love because I feel like it does help you to see how your rising sign when you're working with whatever rising sign you have, it helps you to actually feel like you are expressing this like soul level spirit fulfillment of yourself. Yes. I like that interpretation. Hmm, Yeah. Okay, I feel Um, like that's good for sun, moon, rising for the first three. Yeah, number four builds off the rising sign a bit because it is looking at the ruling planet of your chart, which is the planet that rules your rising sign. Yeah, exactly. So to kind of break it down, if you're totally new to astrology, all 12 signs of the zodiac are associated with a different planet, and that's called the ruling planet of that sign. Yeah, so just to run through for people that don't know what we're talking about, I want to run through the 12 signs and what planet rules them. So that would be your ruling planet. So Mm -hmm. So listen for your rising sign. Yeah, listen for your rising. Um, So Aries would be Mars. Taurus would be Venus. Gemini would be Mercury. Cancer would be the moon. Leo would be the sun. Virgo is Mercury, Libra is Venus, Scorpio is Mars, Sagittarius is Jupiter, Capricorn is Saturn, Aquarius is Saturn, Pisces is Jupiter. Is that it? Oh my God. I thought there was more. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I I was expecting one more too. Um, But yeah, that is all 12 unless we missed one. Um, We'll put them in the description too. Yeah. However, Maxine also uses a couple different planets for some of the signs. Uh, Do you want to explain that? Yes. Okay. So there's basically all why they're called traditional planets, the ones Alice just listed. I use those too, but a modern kind of like lens on top of this is using Uranus, Neptune, Pluto, for example. So if you are an Aquarius rising, you can also look at Uranus on top of Saturn. And you can, if you have a Pisces rising, Neptune would also be a ruling planet for you. And Scorpio rising, Pluto. So this is something Alice doesn't use, but it is something that just can give you, in my opinion, just another perspective of another ruling planet that might point to other important themes that come up in your life. Yeah, that's a good distinction to make. Um, but yeah, so when you're looking, if once you've identified your ruling planet and you're looking at where you're going to want to look at what sign and what house it falls into in your chart. Um, yeah. And it's going to be similar to honestly, like the house where your son is placed, where it's like, okay, that's part of me that I'm learning how to grow into and develop more and themes associated with that house and sign are going to be very important to like my sense of self. Mm, yes. Yeah. I love that correlation because it's, it's really an area that is like school for you, <laughs> like whatever, wherever that ruling planet falls by house, it's going to tell you, okay, the themes of this area of life, whether it's career or money or romance, that's something that you're really here to focus on. Yeah. And if you're a cancer or a Leo rising, like cancer rising, you're going to have the moon as the ruling planet. Leo rising, you're going to have the sun as the ruling planet. So you're not going to have a different planet to look at. Um, I can speak from experience, like with a Leo Mm -hmm. rising, 
in the sun in Aquarius, it's like the sun is just like so obvious as a part of my personality. <laughs> yeah. It's hard yeah. to like speak on ruling planets, honestly, because it's like the two are like the sun and the ruling planet are the same for me. So Maxine, yeah. like let's yours is an example, like your ruling planet as a Gemini rising is Mercury, which is different from the sun and moon. Yes. Yeah. So Gemini rising, Mercury, same with Virgo rising. Um, but yeah, for me, that Mercury falls in my 11th house. So that those 11th house themes like groups and friendships and hopes and dreams for the future and kind of the spiritual nature of the seventh house like there's so much that goes into that those are all themes that are super significant for me in various ways yeah yeah that's well put like you're kind of learning how to develop 11th house traits Mm -hmm. yeah I would I would say definitely it's it's not always easy in those areas of life. And I think I've had to do a lot of almost soul searching there as well, Mm -hmm, or I've mm -hmm. learned a lot through like friendships and things like that. So it's really important to look at the house you're really planning to fall. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, I wish I could get into more complicated astrology here, but yeah like transits to the ruling planet are extra important too um but we won't get into that in this episode yes totally (laughs) I know I'm like where do we stop um but I do think another that that is a really good tip to like keep in mind transits um there Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. okay so oh yeah keep going (laughs) yeah I was gonna say and one last thing I wanted to add is that if you do have your ruling planet in a different sign than your sun and moon and rising, I guess, then that sign might be more significant for you. Like my Mercury falls in my 11th house in Aries and Aries is like so strong in my personality too. So Mm -hmm. like being very assertive or, you know, things like that. So important to note the sign as well if you're ruling planet. Yeah. Love the Aries traits. Definitely why we're friends. (laughs) (laughs) It's like balances out. Yeah. Okay, so moving on to number five, we're like halfway done. Um, yeah. Stel- so we're going to look at, if you're looking at your chart and you see a cluster of planets in one particular house and sign of your chart, that's what's that's what we call a stellium. So this can be defined as like technically three or more planets in a sign and house. Uh, but honestly, if you look at a sign and house and you have two planets there, especially if it's personal planets like Moon, Venus, Mercury, Mars that house is definitely going to take on a lot of importance too. Yes. Yeah, that's so well put. I think just making sure that you're looking to see if you zoom out at your chart and you're just seeing it as a whole, if you notice there's a ton of planets in one area, (laughs) that's basically like as naturally your eye would draw there in your life, you're going to focus more on where that house, like whatever house that lights up. Yeah, it's like themes of that house and that sign are just like constantly popping up in your life. And it's so much of a huge focus for you. Like you can't avoid it. (laughs) And and I find too, because I I have stellium in my chart and I think two of them. And I think those areas of life are ones that I tend to try to avoid sometimes (laughs) because Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. they can kind of be overwhelming or I'm just, you know, but it's like life makes me go back to them, like namely mental health or health in general. Like those are just kind of non-sexy things that, (laughs) that always kind of just come back. So yeah. Yeah. Or also like a point of like fascination. Like I have 
the stellium mm. in the seventh house. I have like three planets, Sun, Mercury, Saturn. And it's like obsessed with hearing about people's love lives and focusing on relationships. And it's just such a point of interest for me. Mm, I love that fascination. I definitely feel that too. I'm more, I'm more curious in my chart. I guess I have stelliums in the sixth and twelfth. I'm much more interested in like the psychology of others or like mental health mm-hmm, in, mm-hmm. in other ways like that. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say maybe my seventh house is like more prominent because it's like my son is there and it's the ruler. My ruling yeah. planet is also there. So that's why it's important to take like all these points we're talking about and kind of blend them. Because if you do have a stellium, maybe it's one planet is standing out more strongly within that cluster of planets like if it happens to be your ruling planet or your sun or your moon oh yeah and I think just like to linger there a minute because I'm so happy you brought that up I just feel like it's important to notice how now that we already shared the first five points you might notice that there's some that kind of like Alice's example they double up and you can see how okay that you know, the ruling planet and the sun and the stellium, there's a huge focus for Alice in the seventh house of her chart. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like how many, like taking a checklist, like how many can you check off for this particular planet? Like, yes, it's the Mm -hmm. ruling planet. Yes, it's in a stellium. Yes, it's um, also a sun or a moon. Yes. Yeah. So that's really helpful. And then also I I would say if you're like, oh, I don't have any of that. Like I actually am seeing a lot of scattered you know, important parts of your life. Like that is just part of being a complex human. Like that doesn't disqualify those things from being important for you. It's just, you have different areas that you have to balance out. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Okay. So that also brings us to number six, which is also looking at another part of your chart that just like jumps out, which is Mm -hmm. if you have planets on an angle of your chart. So I kind of want to group this on six and seven. So this six, we have planets on an angle. And then seven, we have planets in angular houses. So to define what that means, planets on an angle would be if you have a planet pretty close to the ascendant line, the descendant line, the midheaven, or the icy in your chart, um, or planets in angular houses, which would be in the first house, the fourth, the seventh, or the tenth, even if they're not exactly on an angle, even if they're in those houses. Mm. Yeah, so look to see, do you have any planets there on an angle or the angular houses that Alice mentioned? And if you do, if you notice that, you'll like the like the the reason why it's so important is because those planets become more powerful. Like they're on display in your life, in your chart, in your personality. Like they will come through more forcefully. They're also like very obvious to other people, like, yeah. it's like a more seen part of your chart. And I think of like the angular houses of the chart is like the action oriented parts of the chart. So it's like, I want to do something about this planet in this part of my chart. Yes. Yeah. They kind of like take charge if you have, if you have a planet there. Yeah. Um, did you have more to say on that one? No, I was just going to say maybe if we had an example of that, but like real quick. Yeah, like what's like an example of like, let's say like if you have Venus in the 10th house or Venus on the midheaven line, it's like that Venus becomes so much more prominent in your chart where it's like themes 
tied into Venus, which would be like either love and relationships, creativity, values, money, friendship. Like that just rises to like the forefront of your mind, maybe. Mm, and it's, I can't even, like what, what I'm seeing in my mind right now when we're talking about this is if you have a planet in an angular house or on an angle, it's just add an exclamation mark to that planet and those themes because that will be so important for you. And if you feel like it's not important, it's a clue that actually, no, that that should be more of an importance to you or like that is something to get curious about because there could be some strengths or gifts there. Yeah, and there's going to be like some planets that you like engaging with, like going back to like the Venus example, that's <laughs> yeah. going to be pleasant, pleasant to have on your midheaven or Jupiter. Um, whereas like if you have Saturn conjunct the ascendant or the midheaven, maybe that's like, oh, I want to avoid that a bit. And it's kind of <laughs> difficult for me to face. Which... Well, I'm laughing because that's me. <laughs> uh, yeah, same. I have like Saturn and Chiron in angular houses. <laughs> I mean, me too. Oh my gosh, right. Yeah. I forgot about that. Okay, mm-hmm. see, <laughs> this is okay. why it's cool to look at your friends' charts too because usually you'll have like at least some overlap of what is Yeah, most... yeah. Wait, so that brings us into the next section that we're talking about now that we brought oh up Saturn God. and Chiron. <laughs> True. Yeah, so at number seven, we're at now. We wanted to... No, we're at number eight. We're at number eight. Yes. Okay, number eight. We are, yes. Okay, so Saturn <laughs> is number eight. And these ones that we wanted to kind of just flag here that this isn't so much like, oh, you have to know this about your chart. These are just kind of interesting to look at and kind of can give you a perspective of, would you say deeper lessons is a good term for the next ones? Yeah, I would say that and also the next three and the final three we talk about are ones where you are looking at someone's chart and maybe you bring up themes related to these three. It's kind of like the person's like, oh my God, how did you know that about me? It's like you're putting Mm. your finger on something sensitive within that person. Um, So often, yeah, there's just like a need to really develop these parts of yourself more and like look at them more closely. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And we're obviously not going to dive into these as much as we do in our courses, but um, but this will give you a really good idea of like some kind of different things to pull out there. Okay. Yes. So number eight, Saturn. <laughs> yeah. So Saturn, if you're identifying, you're going to want to identify where that is mainly by house in your chart. Like, yes, sign matters, but Saturn stays in the same sign for about two and a half to three years. So like everyone born in your same year, pretty much, and maybe the year before and the year after is going to have Saturn in the same sign as you. So good if you want to look at like generational trends, but really if you're focusing on just you as an individual, really like lean into the house and the themes associated with that house for your Saturn. I would say at least in terms of like this episode where we're like giving the basics like it gets pretty overwhelming once you start adding in sign and aspects and stuff yeah yeah yeah. so what would you what would you associate like where Saturn's placed in someone's chart what might they see there yeah okay so from a spiritual perspective I would say it's your karmic lesson so Saturn is like known as this planet of kind of hard knocks like you kind of have to learn something the hard way in that era of life or it can feel really tough to move through early in life especially before your Saturn return but it's like not for nothing like there's this 
grain of deeper wisdom that you're meant to develop there yeah I like how you said like hard knocks like it's yeah you repeatedly learn kind of tough lessons in that area of life that Saturn falls into for you um so it's like you're constantly faced with challenges that just keep coming up in order for you to master and really know yourself in that part of your life um so often people will become like an expert in the house where their Saturn falls in and it's like a point where they put a ton of effort and work into that part of their life Mm, yeah yeah and it it like it really is something that it's not necessarily smooth and light and fluffy and easy um but it has incredible rewards if you're willing to kind of like put in the hard work and tough love and that kind of thing yeah I would say like first Saturn causes like a lot of anxiety or just like this heavy sense of duty like I have so much to do in this part of my life and it kind of like weighs me down or it gives me like I just like don't want to face it and it gives me this anxious feeling but then really like repeatedly over time because Saturn does get so much easier with time especially once you're past that Saturn return the first one um you kind of learn how to master that and become more of an expert there Mm, yeah, you kind of free yourself from restrictions that kind of were holding you back maybe early in life. Yeah, like house where Saturn is is where you may have like a lot of self-imposed restrictions and like hold yourself back. Yes. Okay, so that is Saturn. And then number nine, kind of similar in that it does have this grain of like, it has this whole idea you have to learn a lesson here in some way. Um, but yeah, that number nine is Chiron <laughs> to say that <laughs> roundabout way number nine is Chiron I'm like did yeah. I say that already um so Chiron like Maxine said is a bit similar to Saturn where there could be this element of like anxiety or fear related to that sign and house placement of Chiron um also like an area where you feel like you're lacking something like something's missing but you can't quite put your finger on what and you kind of feel like you're exposed in that area Oh, I love that you use the word exposed. That just like, yeah, that's totally what it is. It's this area of intense sensitivity. So sometimes feeling really vulnerable or feel like that area of your life is just like, you feel like everyone else knows that about you. You feel like everyone else, exactly. you know, like everyone's looking at you. And in fact, actually probably people aren't, but it's something that you kind of carry a lot of shame, I would say. Yeah, with Chiron, it's really an area that you're learning how to heal always, like, over the course of your entire life. Like, it's it may never fully feel like it's healed, but, like, how to deal with that Chiron is often just being way more open about the problems you have associated with it. So, like, if you have Chiron um, in maybe the second house, maybe in order to heal that, you're giving other people financial advice and, like, working through their money problems with them um, in order for you to like get more awareness on your specific anxiety surrounding like values or money or self-worth at your job. Mm, Yeah, that's a good example. Or like if you have Chiron in the fifth house, that one I see so often in readings actually where people early in life had a very specific, even traumatic event related to like someone telling them that they couldn't. I mean, that's for all Chiron placements, I would say, but like specific to the fifth house maybe you weren't allowed to express yourself creatively or someone told you that you weren't good at art or good enough or something like that related to those themes Mm 
and yeah, yeah anxiety of like never being good enough in that area mm, yeah and through no fault of your own you feel that I feel like that's very important to share about the Chiron placement yeah yeah exactly um I do want to do a whole episode on Chiron because now that we're talking about it I'm like there is so much to go into here <laughs> I feel like everyone wants us to do an episode on it and I'm like oh okay we, it's it's not like a deep topic like it's not dark but it definitely isn't like it isn't like a light and fun episode yeah (laughs) yeah yeah maybe we'll do that soon yeah let us know if you want that um okay so number 10 though let's move on to north node yeah so this is our last and final one I'm glad we're ending on the north node specifically like you do have a south node too but we really want to focus on the north node because I feel Mm -hmm. like that just acts as like the like is this right word like compass in your life? Like if you feel like you're not on track or you're stuck or something um, or in a rut, it's like look to the North Node and the sign it falls into and the house it falls into and themes associated with both of those. And like where can you develop more of that in your life? And automatically you're going to just start to feel like better about yourself and like you feel way more fulfilled. Mm, yes I literally I always the north node I always like to say it's like this path to your soul's purpose and it has a lot of great fulfillment waiting for you if you're willing to kind of lean in there but it is outside of your comfort zone so usually there is this kind of I don't know at the beginning when you try to lean into that area of life sometimes there's some resistance there or some fear associated with it but or like a little bit of a learning curve yeah, definitely. Like there's such an avoidance. Um, mm-hmm. But over time, especially like at those pivotal like nodal returns, again, I'm getting like too ahead of myself. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just as you get older, you really learn how to develop traits associated with the node. Mm, yeah. And there's there's usually, um, I, yeah, oh my gosh, all this stuff we could go on <laughs> forever about. But I think like really important to just know it's not easy, but it the payout is really important. And if you work at it, it's so important, not only for yourself in this lifetime, but like developing, if you believe in past lives, your soul will crave that development. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that was all 10. Did you have anything else to say or? I don't know. This was such a fun episode. I'm actually really happy we did this one. Yeah, this was, I like like how it was bite-sized and... Like yeah. we really got to some important points in the chart. Yeah. Now I want to keep going on <laughs> like 11, 12. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but if you, if you do, if you really like this episode and you want to learn more with us, we do have mastering birth charts. I'd recommend starting there or you can hop on and get applying transits and we go so deep into everything we shared here, but like so so much more (laughs) yes and to reiterate our courses are a hundred dollars off from september 5th until september 19th no code necessary you'll just see the prices dropped on the website when you click the link in the show notes yes and then at the end of september we are raising prices so make sure that if you have been looking at them really really wanted them you know you just feel the call and now's the time definitely go check that out and see if it's a good fit for you yes okay bye guys see you next episode bye